we are here. It's the final race of the season. We've got 21 of these things in the books, and now it all comes down to Sunday at Abu Dhabi. The championship on the line between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, and we're going to go over the things to watch out for Sunday. Not only the championship fight, but everything else as Formula One's 2021 season comes to an end. I'm Tony Desiri. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. Glad you could join us. As I said, we finally made it. We are at the end of the season. First of all, on a personal note, thanks to all of you who've been downloading this podcast all season long. I have been really excited to do this as a Formula One fan for a while and seeing the increase of popularity in the United States. I'm a sports talk show host. I spent a lot of time on the NFL, college football, NBA, Major League Baseball, all of that. I don't really get to talk about Formula One all that much on my regular radio show, so this has been a really good outlet for me. And to see that 50 countries, at least one person in 50 countries has downloaded this podcast, which is it's about, I don't know, 49 more than I had thought. So thank you all for doing that. We're going to be back for season two next year. This off season, we're going to have season reviews, early season previews, anything that's making news in Formula One. We will continue to do these podcasts in the off season. So make sure you subscribe to that channel. Leave us a five-star review if you like what we do. You can join us on Facebook and on Conversations, the Overtake F1 podcast there, um, and also on Twitter at F1 Overtake Pod. All right, so one of the most exciting Formula One seasons of all time is about ready to come to a close this weekend, and you couldn't ask for anything better. It's the championship that is knotted up between two drivers who have gone head-to-head on the track. They have gone head-to-head off the track in terms of making comments on each other. It has been a really wild ride. Well, he'll give you the five things to watch for coming up at Abu Dhabi, but boy, this has been one of those seasons that is going to go down in the history books no matter how it turns out. Whether Max wins his first championship, whether Hamilton wins his eighth, this driver rivalry is time it, it, in terms of what this season has produced. All right, so let's get started. Five things to watch out for on Sunday. And the number one is the most obvious. It's the championship fight. This has been the thing all season since the opener in Bahrain that we've been watching. And each driver this season has had a period of time where they've had the momentum. Right now, that belongs to Lewis Hamilton. He has won the last three races in nodding up this championship fight. But we've seen the ebb and flow of this this season. We've seen on-track battles. We've seen the war of words. This is, though, the finale that we've been waiting for. It's going to be interesting to see how these drivers go at each other. Because if both drivers fail to secure a point in this race, if they crash out like they did at Monza, Verstappen wins the championship based on more victories. This has led to people speculating that because Max can win the championship if both cars are crashed out, will he go ahead and do that? Will he be more of an aggressor out there? Not necessarily purposely crashing out uh, the two cars, but being a lot more aggressive when he has the opportunity to do so, knowing that if Hamilton is out and even if he is out, he'll be the world champion of 2021. That does, of course, come with a big risk because if Max is overly aggressive and causes an accident, what if the car he's driving suffers some significant damage, but somehow Hamilton escapes and he gets minimal damage and finds his way to at least a top 10 finish, getting some sort of point and caught and earning the title. So I don't necessarily buy into the crash them both out kind of scenario, because if I, I just don't buy that, I don't think you want to win that way. Uh, But I think Verstappen, who has said he's going to win the championship any way possible, is going to take the more aggressive line in any sort of wheel-to-wheel opportunity that he has to go up against Lewis Hamilton. This is the thing 
absolutely everyone is watching for coming up on Sunday at this circuit in particular is when these guys are side by side, however they may be, what is it going to look like? How much are we going to hold our breath wondering what the outcome is going to be? Remember at Saudi Arabia, when Max was slowing down to sort of get Lewis Hamilton to go past him, you know, it was, it was a little bit of gamesmanship between the two drivers and that Lewis Hamilton wasn't sure he wanted to pass at that particular moment because Max knew that once Hamilton could pass, he could get DRS and pass him right back. So these two have been fighting on the track. They've been fighting off the track. The war of words have been really ramped up, aggressive, um, crazy. I mean, all sorts of words have been used to both. Go back to Great Britain and Silverstone when the drivers, when they collided at Cops Corner and how disrespected Verstappen felt that he was in the hospital and Hamilton was celebrating a victory. I mean, we've had a full season of this and it all comes down to this one. So the number one thing to watch for is obviously without question, the championship fight. But what about the number two thing, the constructors fight. Now, when I say constructors fight, I just don't mean between the top two and that in Red Bull and Mercedes, that one seems to be in Mercedes hands right now. They have a 28 point lead over Red Bull. And even Christian Horner sort of conceded that it would kind of take a miracle for Red Bull to pull this one out. But there are some other key battles in this season, and they will be determined even if they do seem a bit out of reach. P3 is one I've been watching all year. I'm a Ferrari fan, I'll admit it, and I was really hoping for a bounce back in 2021 after a yucky season in 2020. And I got it because Ferrari leads McLaren now by 38 and a half points for P3 in the constructors. And even more daunting for McLaren is that Ferrari continues to put their two drivers in the top 10. And this battle had been pretty interesting all season long, especially with early success for Lando Norris, getting a few podiums, running in the top five. There were times where Ferrari struggled, particularly in France. But recently, since Ferrari introduced their new engine, they have been on fire in terms of getting their two drivers both in the points. And McLaren, especially in the recent triple header, Mexico City, Brazil, and Qatar, they really struggled. So it really allowed Ferrari to separate themselves. Also, P5, Alpine ahead of AlphaTauri by 29 points. This one was tied heading into Qatar, but a podium by Fernando Alonso in that race and a P4 for Esteban Ocon in Saudi Arabia. They've generated a very, very comfortable lead. All right, the third thing to watch for is that this is the final race for Kimi Raikkonen, but it is also the final race for a number of others who are staying within the sport and moving on. But a lot of the attention, obviously, is going to be on Raikkonen, a world championship driver who is going to be leaving and left on his own terms and feels like it's time for him to move on to the next chapter of his life. You know, Kimi provided a lot of dramatic moments on the track, a lot of dramatic radio calls, but he had a very laid-back style as well. He was funny at times. He would be very passive at times. And he's the kind of driver that I think in the end, when we all look back on Kimmy's career, I think we are going to miss him tremendously. He had that little elder statesman angle in the latter part of his career that I have. I kind of enjoyed as I've seen athletes in other sports leave and sort of leave on their own terms. Uh, there's some sort of calmness that comes. And I think Kimmy definitely had that. It's, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't get inside his head. I'll just believe him when he says that he's very much at peace with this, but Racers like to race, and I know that for some, the time comes when they don't want it to come. It feels to me like the time came exactly when Kimmy wanted it to come, and that's just the way I've read it. 
So I know a lot of the tributes are going to be pouring in and people around the world will be watching one final run for Kimi Raikkonen in the final Formula One race of his career. But he's not the only one dealing with a final. And then his teammate Antonio Giovinazzi is going to be out of Alfa Romeo at the end of this Abu Dhabi race. He'll be running in Formula E. He lost his ride. I'll miss Giovinazzi a lot. Even though he wasn't really doing much on the track, something about him I've always enjoyed. Um, Valtteri Botas will be making his final run with Mercedes. Can he get on the podium one more time before he leaves and heads to Alfa Romeo next season? And George Russell as well. He'll be ending his Williams career. I've gone up and down with Russell since his arrival in Formula One. I've been dying to see him get a point. I finally saw it. He had that one epic qualifying run at Spa before that was washed out and he earned a podium there. And just the energy and the elation on his face earning a podium, even though the race circumstances didn't sit well. I had a lot of negative takeaways from that race at Spa because of the rain out and how it was handled and all that. But Russell on the podium with Williams uh, was was a very positive note. He's going to be on the podium plenty of times with Mercedes, but I was glad to see podium with Williams. Number four, we are back to a familiar circuit, but with a twist. Now, did you know Abu Dhabi is the first race since Turkey where we can actually discuss what happened in a Formula One race there in 2020? Austin, Mexico City, Brazil, all off the calendar last season due to COVID. Qatar, Saudi Arabia, both brand new races. So this weekend, we are back to a track that didn't have either a long layoff between races or was a debut track. However, there is a twist here. The circuit has changed to allow more overtaking. We'll discuss more of this in our track talk segment, but the circuit has been shortened by 273 meters. It will now run three more laps than previously there from 55 to 58. The changes are also going to drop lap times by 14 seconds. Remember last year, Verstappen dominated this race, but remember Hamilton was coming back from COVID-19 and was had already wrapped up the championship. Hamilton though dominates this race he's won it five times in the 12 runnings at abu dhabi but again as we'll see later on in this podcast a kind of a new look to the circuit and the fifth thing to watch out for is the driver's standings outside of the championship fight obviously the world championship is at the forefront of everything that's all we're going to be watching and paying attention to those two drivers where they're at uh, going head to head in abu dhabi on sunday however There are still driver battles out there to sort out before the 2021 season comes to an end. Take a look at P5, for example. There are three drivers. They're separated by just eight and a half points. Charles Leclerc is currently fifth. He is four points ahead of Lando Norris. Carlos Sainz is four and a half points behind Norris, eight and a half behind his teammate. Just a couple of things to watch out for besides the world championship, which will get all of our attention. All right, it's time for Track Talk as we go over the circuit for this weekend. Yas Marina hosting Formula One races since 2009. As I said earlier, it's undergone a few changes, changes that have shortened the track. That leads leads to an increase in laps for the Grand Prix. It's dropping lap times. So here are the changes that you may need to watch out for this year compared to last year's running. The chicane that formed turns five and six that is gone. It is now a straight that leads to the hairpin that is now turn five. That has been widened. That's going to create some greater exit speed into an adjacent straight. There's going to be more overtaking opportunities there with the widening of that hairpin. Corners 11 through 14, they have been altered now to create more of a long banked turn. That is actually going to be turn number nine now. There was four corners that led to the start finish line. Each one of those corners has now been widened to create faster exit speeds there. This was done in response to fans and drivers 
wanting to increase overtaking at this circuit has been kind of known as a boring track in the past. And they have gone through great work to try to make this. So there should be some more excitement. There should be some more overtaking. And I think there's some excitement for it. It is now going to be on the calendar through 2030. That was just recently announced. Not really a surprise there. Formula One will continue to race there. Pirelli will be using the softest compound tires that they have for the Grand Prix. C3 for the hard, C4 for the medium, C5 for the softs. With the changes that were made to the track, there is some new asphalt there that'll be more vertical load on the front tires. It will be faster than previous runnings and will run 58 laps now that the circuit is shorter. There are two DRS zones, the first coming after the hairpin at turn five. That's going to lead to a long straight. And then the second one is going to be coming off turn seven after a small change in direction in turn eight. The cars will have DRS before the newly formed turn nine, now a banked left-hander that runs uh, rather than those tight corners that they previously had. All right, it's time for top five and bottom five from Saudi Arabia. We do this every preview. We go from five to number one in terms of the bottom five and then five to number one in the top five. So the fifth in the bottom five, Aston Martin. I'm putting both Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll in this spot because it was a tough day for the team. Vettel, he had to retire the car and Stroll finished outside the points running P11. Sebastian got ran wide in his battle on track with Yuki Tsunoda. He also tangled with Kimi Raikkonen that caused some damage to his car. He had to go to the garage. Stroll, he pitted during that first yellow and lost places after the red flag restart sort of allowed others to change tires freely. He regained some of those spots but then in the end lost out on points to Lando Norris. Number two, Fernando Alonso. It was a P13 for him after he had a podium finish at Qatar. Alonso did suffer after stopping during that first yellow and uh, felt like they were always on the wrong side of the red flags. Um, he had a spin out at one point. I remember he radioed in to talk about debris on the track. Um, he had, But this ends a three race streak where he was running in the points. Number three in the bottom five, and that is Haas. Again, a full team rather than an individual driver because how could you not put Haas here? Boy, that must have been difficult. Look, they're running in the back of the pack, but they didn't even finish, and they were both out early. It was an early exit for Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin. Schumacher bringing out the first red flag, hitting the tire barrier on lap 10. I should say yellow that was later a red when they wanted to inspect the barrier more. And that led to a second start of the race. Mazepin, he just got tangled up when Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc touched up after the restart, which led to yet another red flag. It was just an early night for Gunther Steiner and the Haas team with both of their drivers out and relatively early. Number two, and this is where I put Lando Norris. He started the race on the soft tires, and obviously that could have been problematic if we had some green flag racing with an early pit stop. However, when the safety car came out after Mick Schumacher hit the wall on lap 10, he came in and then changed out of those tires. And however, though, when the red flag came out, he was he was down at P14. So the others get a free change of tires. He took his gamble. It didn't work out. He did have some work to do and finished P10, but think about this. In the last four races, Norris has just scored two points in Qatar, one point in Mexico, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia. That's just five points total. 
And again, I, I don't, you know, you, you run that sort of consistency all year long. It's hard to do, but boy, it's just so different the second half for Norris than the first half of the season when he was sort of on the top five of on everybody's list for good runs in Grand Prix. Uh, but number one in the bottom five for me, it, it's Max Verstappen. And, and, and listen, no one came out of Saudi Arabia with more negatives attached to their weekend than Verstappen. I mean, he, despite finishing P2 in the race, I mean, my goodness, he had one of the greatest qualifying laps of the season that was ruined when a late crash on the final turn that prevented him from starting on pole position. He got two penalties in the race, total of 15 seconds. He had to give a place back three times. He saw his eight-point championship lead go down to zero with his rival winning the last three races. Remember those penalties that he got prevented him from going into the pits to get soft tires to try to go for a fastest lap with Hamilton comfortably in control because he couldn't lose out those that time to Esteban Ocon behind him or Valtteri Bottas, which ended up being P3. So it just wasn't a good weekend for him in Saudi Arabia. He even said afterwards, this just isn't Formula One. All right, now it's time for the top five as we go five to number one and five on the list. Antonio Giovinazzi, the man is closing out his Formula One career right now. He has a P9 finish in Saudi Arabia. Good enough for me as he goes into the final race of his career in F1. It was his second points finish of the season. He started 10th. So a movement one place up may not seem like much, especially when you have a top car like Sergio Perez out of the race, but he managed to avoid the carnage and he didn't fall back into the pack, which we've seen him do time and time again we've seen him up to like p7 only to finish like p13 at the end of the race uh number four daniel ricardo a p5 for daniel started the race on the hard tires switched them out to mediums making them work even if the tired tires were a little bit more of a benefit for the car held off valtteri botas for quite a while before he was being passed he couldn't quite catch esteban ocon but he ran in the top five, held it there when the tires were starting to fail a little bit at the end. He did suffer some damage in qualifying and actually started this race P11. So a good run for Daniel Ricciardo and McLaren. Number three, it's Esteban Ocon, a near miss podium for Ocon. That would have been great for the team, by the way. Alonso on the podium in Qatar and Ocon in Saudi Arabia it would have been great. It was a good day nonetheless. In fact, it was really a great day nonetheless. Ocon, he did not pit during the first safety car. He made up places when it when it was finally red flagged. He was placed on the pole for the third start of the race, and he said, "I you never started on pole before at an, for an F1 start." Um, and so good for him on that. Uh, he was able to pass Valtteri Bottas when Bottas locked up. He got P3. He kept that for most of the race before he was finally passed on a kind of a drag strip pass by Botas at the end. It's a good points haul for Ocon who already has a win this season in Hungary and for Alpine, especially separating themselves from AlphaTauri in the constructors race for P5. Number two, Valtteri Botas in his penultimate race with the silver arrows. Botas played the teammate role perfectly. He wanted Hamilton to increase the distance between their cars early in the race. So he could properly defend against Max who was running P3. He had raced hard to the line to take that third spot away from Esteban Ocon at the end that helped Mercedes pile on the points in their constructors race with Red Bull. I hope he does well at Alfa Romeo next season, but right now he's playing the role to Hamilton really well as Hamilton goes for that eighth championship and Hamilton is getting number one. Two things really stood out from his run in Saudi Arabia. One, 
He won the race, obviously, something he really needed to do to give him any realistic chance of winning the world championship. Had Verstappen won, he would have been facing like a 15 to 16 point deficit. And then he would have really needed something dramatic to happen to Red Bull in order to win the world championship. But the number two thing that I took away from his Grand Prix run was that he finished the race and did not end up in the wall or garage with a DNF. The way he was raced against by cars. I mean, he had to avoid uh, Ocon at one point, the battles with Verstappen. That wasn't really easy to do. And it wasn't easy to do on that circuit. He did exactly what he had to do. He won that Grand Prix. He has tied this up heading into the final race of the season. All right. So that's top five, bottom five from Jeddah and Saudi Arabia. I want to take a little bit of time here to talk about this Verstappen and Hamilton battle that has sort of engulfed us all season long. I'll tell you this. I I started this podcast at the beginning of the season, not really knowing how this season would go. Would it be yet another boring, dominating Mercedes season, or would we actually get something? I mean, when I watched preseason testing, there was a lot of people who had the feeling that Red Bull was, you know, onto something with the way that they could construct their car. I mean, you look at the way they came right out of the gate in Boston. Bahrain looked like they were going to go right after Mercedes. And that was such a great race right out of the gate, right? Remember Verstappen went wide to take a position, had to give it back. Hamilton wins by just a you know, split second ahead of, of Verstappen. And we thought, here we go. We got a whole year where this could be the storyline. And then they raced wheel to wheel again at Imola. And it's like, well, we're only two races in and we're already seeing this rivalry coming together. But then it started to get one-sided. Hamilton won at Portugal. Hamilton won at Barcelona. And there was a feeling like, well, maybe this championship battle is not going to come together. Maybe we're going to have yet another dominating season by Mercedes. Hamilton's going to run away with this thing, wrap up with a few races to go. And then Monaco occurred. And Verstappen won at Monaco. And then all of a sudden, Verstappen was taking the momentum away. And that all came to an end at Silverstone. In one of the most dramatic moments of the season, it still might be, well, we don't know how this will play out. We, it still might be the top moment of the 2021 season when those two tangled at Comp's corner. Because Verstappen goes into the wall, Hamilton gets a penalty, overcomes that penalty, wins the Grand Prix. There's some war of words between the teams. All of a sudden you're seeing all sorts of accusations being thrown around in terms of dirty driving, etc. I mean, these, this was getting really serious, and we were only in July. And then, of course, they tangle again at Monza, where Verstappen's car is on top of Hamilton's, right? And then you start to wonder where this thing is going. Is it going to be one of the great rivalries of all time? Is it going to be one where it's going to seem a little petty? That's where at least I was going. And what we end up here is the final race of the season between two drivers that have really taken it to each other when they can. That hasn't always been the case. Grid penalties, other sort of circumstances have prevented us from seeing them go wheel to wheel or side by side every single Grand Prix. But when we've had it, we've had to talk about it. That was the one other takeaway from this season when I sort of do a mental review. I feel like every single incident that these two have had has led to a larger discussion about, is it appropriate? Who's at fault? I mean, go to Brazil, for example, right? Hamilton had the fastest car. You knew that at some point, Max was not going to hold him off for that entire Grand Prix. He did his best. Don't get me wrong. He did his best, but he wasn't going to hold Hamilton back the whole rest of the way. And yet this one going wide incident had caused us to go, well, what exactly are the rules? Why don't the rules apply here? And some saying, why don't we just let him race and cut all of this out? 
there was there was always a debate and there were always two sides. Some of it came from Verstappen people. Some of it came from Hamilton people. But even people like me who don't have a dog in the fight in this championship, I'm not rooting for either one of these drivers, were left questioning exactly what these two guys' limits were in their pursuit of this championship. And I think that's what makes this so great is that it has come with some controversy. I think you need a little bit of that. Not something dramatic that puts a stain on the championship fight, but something that makes it a little bit more memorable. Something you can talk about a few years down the road. I think we're going to be talking about that incident at Cops at Silverstone for a while. I think there will be a conversation about Max's style versus Hamilton's style. I think Saudi Arabia a memorable Grand Prix for its controversies and the discussion afterwards about the appropriate nature in which Max slowed down, let Hamilton pass, only to have Hamilton not want to pass particularly at that moment and hitting the back end of, of Verstappen's car. Not, not on purpose at all, but just the way the gamesmanship between those guys had us scratching our heads and sort of wondering if this race could get even more chaos. I hope that doesn't happen here on Sunday, and I think that's really important. You know, I have a producer for my show and he doesn't follow Formula One, but I was pitching him why he should watch on Prey. And I said, you know, we have a, a, a guy in Max Verstappen that if there is a incident on the track between him and Lewis Hamilton and they're both out of the race, he is world champion. And I said, doesn't it sound intriguing? Like, what would you do as a driver if you had a line and you wanted to aggressively attack that line? It could cause you to crash, knowing that if you crash and he crashed, you're the world champion. And if you cause that crash as the driver, you would still feel like, you know what? I did earn it. You know, I was 20 chases and I dealt with all the hardships, but I had all the successes and I am the world champion. And we remember world champions. We don't always remember how you got there, but we remember world champions. Did that sound appealing? But in actuality, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope when these two guys meet in whatever, wherever it is, that hairpin at turn five or off that banking in turn nine, wherever it may be, I hope the racing is clean. But if there is an incident, I hope we're able to look back on it and say, you know what? That driver was right to defend that position and that driver was right to go for that gap and just one of those racing deals. I don't necessarily want that to be a controversial thing. But even if it is, it's still one of the greatest Formula One seasons that we have ever had. Thanks for listening to this podcast, and thank you for being part of this audience. We will have our review of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix coming up next week, and we will discuss the world champion. I'm Tony Deziri. This is the Overtake F1 Podcast.